0: So today's service, I believe, is one of the most important services of the year, and the reason for that is we started something on this Memorial Day weekend a year ago that we're going to continue for the foreseeable future, and what we're going to do is we're going to commission everybody who's here, everybody that's watching online, to the summer ministry and mission work that you have to do in, through, and beyond new life. Now, if you're new today or you missed last Memorial Day weekend, let me explain. Probably the best way I can do that is through our, what we call our take-home point. It's the one point we'll be making from the two scriptures we read right now that are going to hopefully be lived out in our lives. Not just this week. But all summer. And so here it is. Jesus commissions us to take his good news to the world. And I underline the word commissions because it focuses on what Jesus calls us to be as well as what he calls us to do. According to dictionary.com, commission means the act of committing or entrusting a person, group, etc. with supervisory power or authority. So Jesus has entrusted you and me, all of us, with his supervisory authority, and power on the earth. So whether we're here in the worship center, whether you're worship watching online, you and I have the authority of the living God of the universe. Think about that. The God of the universe has entrusted entrusted us with his authority. So as we're going to see from the two scriptures that we're looking at today, Jesus' commission involves taking his good news from where we are right now, wherever you are at home, wherever you are, We're here in Saxonburg, Pennsylvania, to our community, to our region, to our nation, and to the very ends of the earth, and to do that in a very intentional way. Jesus called us to make disciples of everyone, everywhere. That's a significant undertaking, but we would expect no less when the God of the universe has entrusted his authority and power to us. So, before we turn to today's scriptures, I need to acknowledge something that's really, really crucial. And that is, according to Barner Research Group, 47% of millennials who follow Jesus say it's wrong to tell someone else of another faith about Jesus with hopes of converting them to following Jesus. And the reality is 27% of Gen Xers think that, 20% of boomers, which I am, and 20% of elders think that. So that means that from two in five... To one half of all people who are following Jesus think it's wrong to tell people about Jesus so they can come to know Jesus and trust him. So that simply highlights something that we highlighted for four weeks during our series called Winning the War in Your Mind. And here it is a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Now, I don't wanna be adversarial as we focus on one of Jesus' most basic commands. But I do need to raise the point that Jesus' great commission, his commission to greatness for us, assumes that we who are disciples of Jesus are going to tell people who aren't yet disciples of Jesus about Jesus so that they can come to know him as Savior and Lord and have new lives. We live in a culture that assumes that whatever we think is true is true. But Jesus, who is the God of the universe, commanded us, commissioned us, and trusted us with his authority to take his good news of salvation everywhere. If we think doing that's wrong, we won't do it. If we don't do it, we're disobeying Jesus. So let's pause for a moment and think about this. Does disobeying Jesus matter more or less to you than how you feel or what you think? Let me say that again. Does disobeying Jesus matter more or less to you Than how you feel or what you think. We face no more basic question in our lives as Jesus' disciples than that question. If we base our actions on what we feel, what we think, we have decided that we are God. If we base our decisions and our actions on what we feel and what we think, we have decided that we are God. And when we do that, it's not a new idea. Actually, Adam and Eve were the first two human beings and they were the first two people that decided it would be better to do what they thought, what they felt, than to do what God told them to do. And Adam and Eve introduced sin into the world, which is simply nothing more than turning against the will of God and doing our own will. They did it because they thought that being in charge, making their own decisions, being like God, was better than being in relationship with Him. So ever since that moment... We have struggled with whether we prefer our own wills or God's will in our lives. The simple truth is either God is master in our lives or we are. Jesus said there's no other choice because it's impossible to serve two masters. We can't do it. So would you rather think what you think is true and feel what feels good to you is good or would you rather obey Jesus? We all know... That we're supposed to answer, we'd rather do what Jesus does. We know the right answer, and there is a right answer. You see, after all, part of Jesus' commission to greatness is to do what? To teach them to obey everything that he commanded us to do. So, one of the reasons Jesus' great commission has not yet been fulfilled, and I think maybe it's the only reason that Jesus' great commission hasn't been filled, fulfilled, is we have decided not to obey it. We have decided that our wills are easier to follow than God's will. Now, those words are hard to hear, and and, and mainly because they're so often true in our lives. Back in January, we did a series that was called All Things New. And in that series, when Pastor Barry and Pastor Alex preached about receiving new spirits and new souls, I was convicted. As human beings, we consist of a spirit and a soul and a body. As they preached about receiving a new spirit and a new soul, I was convicted about how often My soul, which our soul is our mind, our emotions, and our will, and especially my will, is unwilling to submit to God's will. This message is for all of you, all of you watching, but it's primarily for me. I'm preaching to myself here before I'm preaching to you. I've decided far too often that it's easier to follow my will than God's, regardless of the areas of life, but when it comes to the Great Commission, the... Results of our collective dis-ease at telling other people and sharing with other people what it means to be a disciple of Jesus means that they continue not to know him as Savior and Lord. And what that means is they continue to walk day by day by day closer and closer to an eternity separated from God, separated from Jesus' love and presence. Jesus would not have commanded us to go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations unless that is the ultimate good for each and every person. The one who created us has the best idea of what's good for us. Think about that for a moment. The one who created us has the best idea of what is good for us. Our struggle with doing God's will does not end when we decide to do our will. You need to understand that. It only ends when we submit our will to his and experience and experience the life that is truly life as we do. Now, please understand, when I say that the struggle ends when we submit our will to his will... I'm not meaning it permanently ends. I mean, for the moment that we're doing God's will, in that moment, the struggle ends and we experience life as it's supposed to be. But then what happens? We say, oh man, that's hard. I don't know if I want to do that. At any moment, we can revert to living out the lie that what we think is true and what we feel is good is good. The rut is deep. That rut that says, what I think is right is right, what I feel is good is good. It's so deep in our lives that it's going to take a lot of digging a new trench of truth for us to change. You know, God's will is always best, even though it's often difficult. Imagine what would happen if every person who calls Jesus Lord submitted to our wills, to his will. If we submitted our will to his, every person in his room even, every person watching online even, would submit our wills to the will of God in our lives and lived in the power of his Holy Spirit. You know, that is Jesus' plan. Which is why he commissioned us to greatness, to making disciples of every person everywhere. He knows what's best for you, for me, for everyone is to know him and to live life in his power. You might disagree with what I just said. It might make you upset. That only demonstrates that you and I prefer our wills, our thoughts, our feelings to God's will. A foundation of truth does exist in the world. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one no one comes to God the Father except through me. And Jesus said, when we know the truth, his truth, it sets us free. And the truth is, it doesn't set us free without a struggle, not without pushback from our wills. Not without replacing many lies in our lives with truth, but Jesus came to show us that it is possible to live new lives, lives with Jesus as Savior and Lord, and with his commands being our desire. So we'll be, what we're going to do is we're going to turn to Matthew 28 and Acts chapter 1, and we're going to see what I'm talking about. Before we do that, pray with me one more time. Heavenly Father, right now I'm, I'm so convicted of how easy it is for me to do my will and not yours. And I pray as we talk about Jesus' words to the early disciples, the very first disciples, about our commission to greatness, that you'll open our spirits so that we will hear what you have to say to us and that we'll experience your truth in love and go out and live it in our everyday lives. Wherever we work, live, learn, and play this summer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So after Jesus rose from the dead... He appeared to his followers. He spoke to them on several different occasions. And we read about two of them in today's scripture. Each offers us Jesus' commission to his disciples. Each offers us some specific guidance and help about what it means to see Jesus' will for us lived out in the world. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, please turn with me to Matthew 28. You might not even need your Bible for Matthew 28, 16 to 20. We call it the Great Commission. It says this, then verse 16 and 17. Then the 11 disciples, Judas had hanged himself, left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Now, we don't know how long after the resurrection this occurrence of Jesus appearing to his disciples took place, we do know that several different occurrences happened. He appeared to some disciples on the road to Emmaus, he appeared to them in Jerusalem, he appeared to them by the Sea of Galilee, and he appeared to them here, somewhere else in Galilee. What we do know is it's 75 miles from Jerusalem where Jesus rose from the dead to the Sea of Galilee. So this didn't happen five minutes after he rose from the dead. It was a long time, probably weeks after he rose from the dead. If you're wondering... How could some of the disciples have doubted that Jesus was standing in front of them? Pretty simple. Dead people usually stay dead. We don't usually expect to see somebody who died in front of us again. One of the challenges we face is, is that Jesus' appearances to the disciples you know, are all in these different places. And we have biblical scholars who are saying, let's line them up in order so we can figure out which one happened when. And that might be helpful. But really what's more helpful is, what did Jesus say in each of the appearances? So let's look. What he said in this appearance is, first of all, here it's me. And it says, some worshipped and some doubted. I'm grateful that Matthew put in there some doubted. I love Jesus. I've been serving him for a long time. But you know, I still have doubts sometimes. So I'm glad that Matthew said that even the people that were standing in front of Jesus had some doubts. But when did the doubts go away? When they worshiped and praised God. When we worship and praise God and do his will, the doubts go away and the faith deepens. So here's what it says next. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, even if you've been to church a few times, you have probably know, as I already said, this is called the Great Commission. Jesus gave his authority to every disciple, not just the 11 standing in front of him, but every disciple who would ever come afterwards, that they are to go to the ends. We are to go to the ends of the earth. Many times over the years, I've had people say to me, you know, I've never been on a mission trip because God never told me to go on mission. What? Jesus told all of us to go on mission 2,000 years ago. Now, I agree that you might not be supposed to go to Honduras or Cambodia. But each of us are supposed to go somewhere. We're going to read more about how that works in in the next passage. But for right now, let's not pretend like Jesus didn't tell us we have a mission. Like Jesus didn't tell us that we're supposed to go and tell other people, even to the ends of the earth, about him. Now, I've said this many times. And I don't do this just to show you that I studied Greek when I was in seminary and still study it. But there's only one verb in the Great Commission, make disciples. All those other words that sound like verbs in English are participles, going, baptizing, teaching. Of course, we can't make disciples if we don't go somewhere. We baptize people because it's a way of showing that they're now part of the family of God, part of that great army of God that is his people, and then The most important of all, the most important part of being a disciple is obeying Jesus' commands and becoming like him. Many in our day have assumed that that part of the Great Commission is like a classroom lesson. I'm going to take a class on evangelism, take a class on Bible study, take a class on this, take a class on that. And there's nothing wrong with that. Everything good about doing those kind of things. But Jesus said he he wants us to do more than just study. He wants us to obey him. It, it really, what he wants us to do is he wants us to do what he would do if he were us. If he were, you know, Dan Michael, what would he do? If he were Barb Shorn, what would he do? If he were Jim Wright, what would he do? And, and so when we wake up in the morning, we should ask, what would Jesus do today if he were me? And then just do it. That's what being a disciple of Jesus really means. It means that <laughs> we're asked to do the impossible. We can't do it. Unless the Holy Spirit is present in our lives. It's hard to do these things because we would rather think our thoughts. We would rather feel our feelings. We would rather do our will than to obey everything that Jesus commanded and do what Jesus did. The apostles, as Jesus' 12 disciples came to be known, also struggled with Jesus' will instead of their own. Even after Jesus rose from the dead, the apostles still had their own will for Jesus. I can prove it. Just turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 1 verses 6 to 8. You see, they thought why Jesus came was to reestablish Israel as the same great power, political power as it was when King David was reigning over Israel. So re- let's read uh, Acts 1 verses verse 6 it says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him. This is after Jesus rose from the dead for 40 days he appeared to them. Every time Jesus appeared to them, he kept a- they kept asking this question. Why, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? It's the question we ask probably every day. Why doesn't God do something about all this stuff? When is he coming back? When is all this pain going to be over? When are we going to be in charge? And Jesus, (laughs) Jesus had done something that gave them every reason to believe that he could do it. The Romans killed Jesus. (laughs) He came back to life. If you have a leader in your army and you can't kill him, And if you do, he comes back to life, you're probably pretty sure you're going to win. You're on the winning side, right? But Jesus' reply surely shocked them. Here's what he said. He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they're not for you to know. And before the apostles could even let that sink into their minds, Jesus said something else. He said, but... Anytime you see the word but in the Bible, something good or something bad is coming. In this case, something good is coming. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The apostles thought that Jesus' authority and power sort of was limited to Israel, maybe the Middle East. But what Jesus told them was, ah, my power is not limited at all. And right now, it's spiritual power. And when that spiritual power comes, you're going to witness here in Jerusalem, that's where they were in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you're going to be my witnesses in all of Judea, which was the surrounding southern Israel, in Samaria, which was another country, but it was really central Israel, and to the ends of the earth. So what Jesus said is, when that spiritual power comes, and he said, wait until it does come, wait until you receive the power, then go, what will you do? Well, you'll speak my words, you'll heal sick people, you'll cast demons out of people, you'll do incredible things in my name. So how were they going to use that power? To be Jesus' witnesses, starting where they were and then going out to the very ends of the earth. Now that is Jesus' plan. We don't have to like it or agree with it, we're just called to do it. We don't have to like Jesus' plan. We don't have to agree with Jesus' plan, but we do have to do it. We get to do it, really. In Matthew, Jesus called the apostles to make disciples. But here in Acts, Jesus made it even simpler. He said, all you really have to do is be my witness. What's a witness? A witness is somebody who hears something, sees something, and tells and shows what they heard or said. So he called them to tell and show or show and tell, like kindergarten, right? (laughs) Well, look what I got. I got Jesus here and you can't see him. It's his spirit inside of me, and he's living, and he's powerful, and he can change the world. Let me show you. And then they did, and the world changed. God's power came into the world in the power of the Holy Spirit, and the world changed. So what happened? Why did the spread of the good news not consume the entire earth as it seemed to do in Jerusalem, then Judea, and Samaria? Well, many have their answers, and I really think it's Pretty short answer. We prefer our thoughts, feelings, and wills to Jesus. You see, Jesus' word has been preached all over the world. It's been taught all over the world. But in 300 A.D., something happened. Constantine, the Roman emperor, said that Christianity was now okay. Instead of being killed for being a Christian, you're accepted. Within a couple hundred years in the Roman Empire, you could be killed for not being a Christian. So guess what? people started becoming Christians. But they didn't really, probably, right? I mean, if you have to do something or else you're going to get killed, you might do it and you might be saying, but I'm going to still do my will. And that's what's happened ever since then because nobody gets killed for being a Christian. Oh, there are a lot of people in the world who do. But not here. Here, we just sort of do what we want to do as long as it gets by. And eventually... Eventually, what happens is the the original intent gets lost. The original power isn't there. And you see, Jesus' commission to greatness does continue to be lived out locally, regionally, nationally, internationally, everywhere people actually believe in Jesus. And in the presence of the Holy Spirit and in the power that God gives us. The pull of the gospel, the good news, that there is a God who has a son named Jesus who came to this earth to usher in God's kingdom by living a perfect life, by teaching the truth in love, by healing the sick, casting out demons, then dying in our place, rising from the dead, going back to heaven, and then sending the Holy Spirit to all who believe. That has remained strong in the world. That truth is still being presented. But the struggle to trust him The struggle to trust His truth, His will, His goodness, His power remains a struggle. Why is that? Because it's easier to believe our own lies that what we think, feel, and will is better for us than what God is going to do in our lives. A mentor of mine from a long time ago named Dr. Dale Milligan used to say this, the easy way is always the wrong way in the kingdom of God. Now, the easy way isn't always the wrong way in the kingdom of God, but it is the wrong way a lot of times. Because you see, A lot of people in our day are sharing an easy gospel, a gospel that promises that God doesn't want to change us very much. (laughs) He sort of just wants a rough, you know, clean off the rough edges a little bit. We can pretty much still do what we want to do, think what we want to think, feel what we want to feel. And church's history reminds us that's not true. Wherever God has been preached faithfully, witnesses have died. Jesus was the first one. (laughs) Jesus, the only perfect one ever lived. And what did we do to him? We killed him. And you know in Ma- or Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when it says, You'll be my witnesses, the Greek word is martyr. We actually get the word martyr from the word. And many witnesses to Jesus' good news have been mart- martyred down through the centuries. Perhaps that's one more reason we find it easier to say nothing, to show nothing about Jesus than to fulfill his commission to greatness. But the commission remains. He calls us to testify to what we've seen, what we've heard, what we have experienced of him in our lives. And that's why today's next step, listen carefully. It's for all of us. I will live out my commission to greatness wherever I live, work, learn, and play this summer. It won't be easy. Well, let me say it this way. It won't always be easy. Sometimes it will be easy, but sometimes it won't. But that's our calling. It's as simple as telling others what we've learned and experienced of the living God, of his goodness and love and truth through Jesus Christ, and to be honest about our own struggles to put Jesus first. Jesus never called us to be faultless witnesses. He called us to be faithful witnesses. That's why each of us can answer the call. It's a matter of submitting our wills to his and then of falling in the Holy Spirit's power. Amen?
1: You can't accept Jesus' mission for your life if you haven't accepted Jesus. And if today you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Today is the day. Here at New Life, we say it's simple, but it's not easy. It's as simple as ABC. A, we admit that we're sinners, and we admit that we need a Savior. And B, we believe. We believe that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And C, we confess. We confess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and we commit to following Him by the power of the Holy Spirit every day of our lives. Now, I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation right now. You can either repeat the words after me, or you can say it in your own words. Dear God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is your Son, and that He came to this earth and died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that He rose on the third day, just as He promised. And I confess that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And God, I just commit that I will follow him every day of my life. And I just ask the Holy Spirit to help me with this, Lord. And I thank you so much for this gift of salvation. And I just trust you as I go out into this world, fulfilling the mission that you have given me for my life, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.